0: Good morning everyone, these are full of chat today, it's good. Hey, just want to welcome you all um, to our our service this morning. Uh, My name is Greg, I'm part of the team. Um, If this is your first time here, uh, you're especially welcome. Or if it's your first time in a, in a very long time, you're also really welcome as, as well. Um, over the last few months, uh, we have been going through our ser- sermon series, Out of This World, where we've been kind of taking a look at different uh, biblical characters and the lessons that we can learn from their lives. Uh, and today we're going to look at a man called Stephen. And you'll find a very brief account of Stephen's life in Acts chapter 6. Uh, and seven and there's there's not a lot of details given about the early part of his life, uh, but the end of his life is fairly well documented and it's actually what he's most famous for. Can anyone tell me what's Stephen famous for? We quiz for one? A martyr, yes, Paul McCartan straight on there, that's it. Yes, Stephen was a, a martyr. Um he was the first person to lose his life for following Jesus. His faith cost him his life. And, you know, when we hear stories of people who have, have died for following Jesus, we tend to put them on a pedestal and think, wow, they must have been incredibly this awesome faith. Um, I could never do that. I'd never want maybe to do that. Um, and we have this idea. So when we think of Stephen, we think of Stephen. Wow, he must have been this very special, extraordinary individual. But, in fact, Stephen was just... Uh, an ordinary man. And that's what I love most about him. He was just this uh, this normal guy. There was nothing special about him. There was nothing fancy about him. But the Lord did incredible things through his life. And you know, I think Stephen would have fitted in really well around here. I think he would have fitted in really well here. Because as I look around this room, do you know what I see? A bunch of really, really ordinary people. (laughs) And you're looking at a very, very ordinary person. But it's true, like, we're we're just a group of ordinary people. There's no celebrities in here, there's no superstars in here, we're just ordinary people. And you know, as as we take a look at Stephen's life this morning, what what I really want you to connect with is the ordinary nature of Stephen. The ordinary nature of who of who Stephen was, and then that you begin to dare to dream of what God could do through your life the miraculous way in which he could use you for his glory for the advancement of his kingdom that's my prayer that you would connect with the ordinary nature and you would see how God used Stephen to do extraordinary things so we're going to turn to the bible um, as I said, Stephen's story is in Acts 6 and Acts 7. We're only going to look at a really small part this morning, just the first uh, eight verses of Acts chapter 6. So I want to encourage you as you go home uh, today, this week, uh, maybe read through the rest of the story. It's always good to, to read things in the fullest of our context, just so you can get a full picture of what's going on. So I want to encourage you to do that as we're just going to look at a little small part this morning. So uh, Acts chapter 6, uh, verse 1. So during those days, the number of Jesus' followers kept multiplying greatly. But a complaint was brought against those who spoke Aramaic by the Greek-speaking Jews, who felt their widows were being overlooked during the daily distribution of food. The twelve apostles called a meeting of all the believers and told them, It is not advantageous for us to be pulled away from the word of God to wait on tables. We want you to carefully select from among yourselves seven godly men. Make sure they're honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. And that will enable us to give our full attention to prayer and preaching the word of God. Then verse 5. Everyone in the church loved this idea. So they chose seven men. One of them was Stephen. Who was known as a man full of faith and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Along with him they chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch who had converted to Judaism. All seven stood before the apostles who laid their hands on them and prayed for them commissioning them to this ministry so it's pretty pretty simple situations going on the greek widows are being are being overlooked whenever the food's been given out this complaint is brought to to the apostles to those in charge and and their kind of response is well we need to keep preaching the kingdom we need to do what jesus has commissioned and called us to do but why about we empower some other people to to, to serve and make sure that the widows are looked after. The church think this is a great idea, so they empower people to do that. So really what's going on is seven ordinary men from within the body of believers, from within the church, are chosen to serve in this ministry of feeding the widows. Okay? And then in verse seven it says, God's word reigned supreme and kept spreading. The number of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem quickly grew and increased by the day even a great number of Jewish priests became believers and were obedient to the faith. Wow, what what an amazing outcome. By empowering others to serve, not only were the widows fed, but the more and more and more people were coming to faith in Jesus. And here's what I want you to see. A moment of disruption and difficulty became an invitation for divine increase. So a moment of disruption, a moment of difficulty was actually an invitation for God to bring divine increase. And this week has been definitely a week of disruption. For some people it's been a week of difficulty. And I know for us in the office we had some time on Friday we did some devotions and worship and there's just this collective sense of, man, it's been a it's been a rough enough week at the moment. <laughs> A lot of stuff's going on for a lot of people, Um, just whether it's sickness, whether it's disruption with the snow and lots of other more probably serious and significant things than that. Um, And what what I've come to discover is in moments where that just seems to be collectively coming at us and coming from all sides, it's usually an invitation or an indicator that God's about to break in and do something. Because the pressure is always greatest at the moment before the breakthrough. And, and even just for Ryan's picture this morning, I think that's very apt for where it's at. That actually the, the pressure at that little trickle space is so significant before it breaks open. Um, so I just want you to just see that. I think that's for us this morning, for some people in particular, that a moment of disruption and difficulty can become an invitation for divine increase. So just have to reframe your thinking, just put on the lens of faith, the eyes of faith to see what God's actually at in the midst of all that is going on. And before we move on to to verse 8, I kind of feel like I I need to take a moment to kind of um, recognize or mention that some of the unhealthy kind of teaching that can often accompany this particular passage Um, It's teaching that promotes an unhealthy culture of leadership and an unhealthy culture of serving. Where only the the anointed few, those who are called to ministry, those who are called to leadership, actually get to do the work of the kingdom. And then everyone else serves to facilitate their ministry by ensuring that the everyday activities and responsibilities are taken care of. I'm sure we've all heard teaching like that before. And what happens is is it, it actually leaves the majority of people feeling unqualified, undervalued, unappreciated, but somehow still carrying this overwhelming sense of guilt and shame that they must keep serving. It's really weird because you can imagine in a culture where you don't feel valued, you don't feel appreciated, uh, you feel like you've you you know, you've got nothing to bring. You think you would be like, well, I'm done, I'm out. But somehow in this environment, in this culture, there's still this sense of guilt and shame to keep serving anyway. And if, if you even think about that for just a moment, I would imagine that a lot of us can identify with that. We find ourselves maybe in in moments like that or cultures like that. And the truth is, it's it's prevalent everywhere. It's kind of a predominant type of teaching in religious environments. But it's not the teaching of Jesus, and it's not the way of the kingdom. It's just not. And this works in, in our lives in lots of different ways. But one of the main things that I felt to kind of highlight this morning was it works out that people feel silenced. It feels like they they don't have a voice or it feels like their voice doesn't matter. That no one is interested in hearing what God is saying to them or what God is saying through them. And I actually feel that there there are a number of you in the room this morning who feel like you've been silenced, who feel like you are not good enough, who feel like you could never do that, who feel you feel un- Un, unappreciated unqualified or undervalued And can actually feel it in the room, you can feel the atmosphere in the room has shifted when I started to push into this and what I want to do this morning is just want to take a moment to pray because I feel like there's an invitation in this for some people just to, to get breakthrough so if that's you this morning if you feel like you're you've been silenced, you feel like you're not good enough that God could never use you I just want you to acknowledge that in your heart and just with every head bowed, with every eye closed. Holy Spirit, would you just come and we just surround every single person who just feels like they're not good enough. That God, that you could never use them. That their voice doesn't matter. That their their ideas don't matter. That they're just not good enough. And Lord, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, you'd break those lies. Break the lies of the enemy. For you have called every individual in this room. You have put your glory upon them. You created them with your glory in them. And I just pray you'd release afresh the destiny that you have for them. The gifts that you've given them and we break off the lies of the enemy, the words that have been spoken over you that say you're not good enough and that you don't matter. And Holy Spirit, would you even begin to heal wounds and heal scars of what people have said or how people have made you feel? And just release a fresh sense of call, a fresh sense of, Jesus, you could use me. Even in some small way, you could use me. So, Father, we just seal that in this morning. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in this room. Have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts. Amen. And one of the things that I find kind of crazy about, about this, and this kind of preaching of this passage, is you don't even have to go to a different place in the Bible to see the fallacy of it. Like, you just have to keep actually reading. Just see it in its full context. So in verse 8, um, we're going to read that now. It says, Stephen, who was a man full of grace and supernatural power, performed many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. Stephen, ordinary Stephen, performed many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. Stephen is not an apostle. He is not one of the 12 disciples. Um, we've never heard of Stephen before this moment. So one reckons he's fairly new to the church. Yes, he might have had a Jewish faith and, and all of that. probably did. He, he knows the history of Judaism really well. As you, if you read, read Acts 7, you'll understand that. But the reality is Stephen was just an ordinary man within, from within the church, filled with the Holy Spirit, but an ordinary man and the thing is as well this is written by Luke and the time in acts like miracles were were not uncommon they weren't not unusual they were very much the norm everywhere Jesus went he did miracles everywhere the apostles go in the book of acts they do miracles so and even if you go to the chapter before in acts chapter 5 it says that Peter's shadow when Peter's walking through the town square people are being healed by a shadow and that's just that's just normal. That's the normal miracles of of that culture. But yet, for some reason, Luke feels the need to emphasise that these were extraordinary miracles that Stephen did. That they were they were incredible miracles. They just weren't normal miracles. And I'm like, well, if if Peter's shadows healing people and that's normal, what's what's extraordinary? <laughs> you know, what's astonishing miracles? What are those? It doesn't tell us, but I kind of was like, I want to know what those were. What were those types of miracles? And the thing as well is about the book of Acts. So the whole emphasis of the book of Acts is that what Jesus does through the one for the one, he wants to do through the many for the many. Okay? So what Jesus does through the one for the one, he wants to do through the many for the many. So it means Stephen's not special. He he's actually a an example of what it's available to us. And all the stories we read are actually an invitation for us to experience and encounter Jesus the same way. For him to do the same things through us um, that he did through his through his disciples. And we see this in the Gospels as well, because Jesus, there's three times he kind of commissions his followers where he sends them sends them out. And every time he gives them power and authority to heal the sick, to drive out demons, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead and preach the gospel of the kingdom, that was the mandate, that's what he said to them all. It started with the 12 disciples, then it was the 72, and then in the great commission, it's everyone, including us. And it was Jesus' desire, it was Jesus' intention that every one of his followers would release the kingdom through signs and wonders everywhere they go. Because that's the model that's before us. That's the model of the Gospels. That is the model of the New Testament. Everywhere Jesus went, he, he proclaimed the word, but he also demonstrated his authority with it. There's not a time recorded in the Gospels that someone gives their life to Jesus, that someone comes to faith where a miracle is not also present at the same time either precedes it or accompanies it. It's the same in Acts. So it's like this idea, like we we get the Great Commission where it's like go and train disciples and and teach everyone the Bible. Uh, But actually it's not just about teaching and proclaiming, it's about doing. Val said it this morning in pre-service prayer that we just wouldn't be hearers of the word but we'd be doers of the word. And that's what it means when it says teach them everything I commanded you. It's like teach them how to do what I did. You do what I did and then you teach everyone else to do what I did. And Jesus even like takes it a step further and he says, Not only will you do what I've been doing, but you'll do even greater things. Not just equal things, but greater things. And we're all like, How? How is that possible? And for Stephen, it's like, how did Stephen, who was an ordinary man, how did he move in extraordinary miracles? Well, it actually tells us multiple times through these verses. It's through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. It could be said that Stephen was an ordinary man with an extraordinary friend. It was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that Stephen could do extraordinary miracles. And in Acts 2, in the day of Pentecost, Peter tells us that The Lord's heart is, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Or for us, from Derry to the ends of the earth. Or for wherever we're from, to the ends of the earth. We receive power and authority to share and to demonstrate the message of the gospel of the kingdom everywhere we go. So Stephen was this ordinary man who did extraordinary miracles through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. You and I are ordinary men, ordinary women, who are able to do extraordinary miracles through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. It's available for everybody. There's no elitism. There's no select few. It's available to you all available to everyone and the thing is as well this church this house, this community we, we already have established a culture of miracles miracles are not new in here if you've been around here for any length of time you will have heard stories about miracles you will have maybe seen one first hand or you'll have been the recipient of one you'll have experienced one for yourself and it's, it's, the part of, it's part of the culture here. It's part of the DNA of who we are. And the reality is it's, it's, that's available for every believer, that that is supposed to be the, the dynamic and the reality and the culture for every single believer, that miracles would be the norm. But what I really want you to take away this morning is not just that miracles are possible or that they're even probable. You should expect them. But that they're actually possible through you, through each and every one of you. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're full with the Holy Spirit, then you should expect God's miraculous power to flow through your life. And that's my prayer this morning for us: that we would have this shift in our minds, we'd have this shift in our perspective, and we would recognize what God wants to do in us and through us. And that you would not just be a recipient of miracles, but you'd be a participant in miracles through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. That you'd be an ordinary, we, we would be an ordinary people that move in extraordinary power. And it's through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's that's the key. That is the key. It's not in and of ourselves. We are very ordinary. But we have an extraordinary friend and Holy Spirit. And he comes and he indwells us and enables us to do the extraordinary. And this morning we're gonna we're gonna respond. That's me that's me done. I've intentionally kept this short this morning. You'll be glad to hear. Normally I'm like twenty minutes past this.